thought it was a fluke on the last play. You know, and most fans would acknowledge the last play was flukish, but it's just 364 days or so of nonstop just reminder that we haven't made it. And just to take a little break in this discussion, we have to remind you we're in, right in the middle of our Michigan-Michigan State preview show. It's 6.30 here at 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Thanks for tuning in to the Daily Sports Report. We have a special guest here uh, today, Matt from Impact Sports at MSU, along with our panel of Jeff, Emily, Morris, and your host, Andrew, along with our producer, JP. So thanks for listening in on 88.3 WCBN-FM FM Ann Arbor, and just going back to uh, our question here was a: Would you rather be four and eight and beat both of your arch rivals, or would you rather be ten and two and lose both of those games? I guess I'd also have to go with the four and eight because even being ten and two, as Morris said, you're probably not gonna you know go to those college football playoffs, so you might as well be the spoiler of the two teams that you hate the most. I mean, it's kind of fun to be like, oh, well, you guys were great, but you still lost to us, and you know we weren't so great. So even though that wouldn't be the ideal situation, I still think that beating your two rivals and being almost at your worst is pretty fun. I don't know. For me personally, it's it's hard. Like four and eight to beat Ohio State and MSU. Like beating Ohio State and MSU sounds great, but like at ten and two, like even though you're not going to the playoff, like a chance at probably like the Rose Bowl in, in the years that it's not going to be a college football playoff site is still very likely. And I think that you still have to consider like the Rose Bowl is still probably the best bowl game in college football. I mean, I take it. If it wasn't, I mean, besides for the national championship game, it's my favorite bowl game. I mean, the chance to still play there, it's it's still hard to turn turn down. That's just, but that's just my own two cents. I mean, last season was a lot of fun as a Michigan fan. They, you know, uh, they went uh, what ten and three, beat Florida in a bowl game, uh, losses to Michigan State and Ohio State. Uh, Michigan and State and Ohio State at the end of the season both got to claim unequivocally that they were the better teams. They went to better bowl games, uh, and they beat Michigan. And yeah, I I just I just don't want to have that feeling. You know, it while last season was a lot of fun, the first season of Harbaugh and all, it was empty. It was empty without the wins, without either rivalry win to hold on to, especially after so many years of being at the downside of those rivalry games. That's the other thing too with coaching or coaching staffs and big time coaches, and they'll say the same thing over and over again. You can have success, but unless you beat your rivals, you're gonna have those boosters chirping at you because guess what those boosters do? They help with the recruiting process. They help you know bring those top recruits in, and the boosters you know obviously feed money for new stadiums, new you know jerseys, et cetera, et cetera, all that good stuff. You know traveling arrangements. And those boosters have to hear their other buddies from work say, yeah, we got you again. Yeah, Michigan State got Michigan or Michigan got Michigan State or Ohio State got Michigan, whatever the case may be. And they hate that. They hate showing up to the next week of work, hearing all their coworkers just look, you know, looking at them, you know, smiling, grinning, you know, saying, yep, we got you. Another 365 days, you got to wait until we meet again. Yeah, that's I, I got to say, I already have it marked on my calendar. It's on my calendar on Sunday to uh, make sure I shoot an email to my Michigan State friends from work. I got 
I got chirped all season. Counting your chickens before they hatch. I'm not, I'm just, I'm just, they said send an email either way. So It but. happens. It happens, right? You, yeah. you, can, you can attest to it. I got chirped all summer long. You got chirped all summer hasn't, long, hasn't, I'm sure. Michigan has to be Michigan State in this many days. And or the Michigan put, State fans you know, keep on saying, yeah, he had trouble with the snap. Do they just say that over and over again to <laughs> you? That exactly. That, that's what I'm saying. You know, That's what makes a rivalry game so great. When I, playing football, like just throwing around a football with friends, anytime like they you know snap it to me, I'll bobble and you know pull a Blake O'Neill just because that is going to be forever burned Why, into Morris? my mind. <laughs> I don't know, man. It, I have a sick sense of humor. That is true. I, we've been with Morris for a long time, and we know that's true. So we're gonna move a little bit more into the formal preview uh, section of the show, and just remind you're listening to eighty-eight point three WCVN. FM Ann Arbor, Michigan, Michigan State preview here, and we got our special guest, Matt, from Impact Sports. Once again, our listeners, uh, happy to have you call in, 734-763-3500. So if you want to call in, share your thoughts, tweet in at WCBN Sports, we'd love to hear from you. But we're going to move in. First up, Michigan offense versus Michigan State defense. We'll split this up amongst all of you over on the other side of the glass. Where can Michigan take advantage in offense, and what does Michigan State have to do to slow down the Michigan attack? Well, Michigan State has gotten run on in you know, pretty much all of these five losses in a row. And Michigan, uh, statistically speaking, has one of the best rush offenses in the country. Now, Michigan, of course, is, has inventive play calling. It's not like they've just been mashing their opponents to bits up front. Uh, but, you know, Wilton Spate played great last game. It was against Illinois. It didn't have the, the rivalry game factor thrown into it. I still don't know if I trust him to be let loose and carry the offense through the air. Uh, but I think that Michigan's got a chance to just pound Michigan State into submission on the ground with their diverse array of running backs, with their jet sweet a- sweep action, with Jabril Peppers in the Wildcat. Uh, it's as diverse of a running tack as there is, at least that I'm aware of in college football. And I think it should be more than enough to move the ball. I can easily see Will and Spade, though, having a great day, too. Because, I, th- I mean, just look at the stats from the Maryland-MSU game. I mean, Maryland's quarterback, who I think threw, like, I don't know, like 15-something picks last year, threw for... Perry Hills? Perry Hills. Threw for 200, like 200 yards, like two TDs on them. I mean, he had... I mean, he looked pretty darn good. And actually, like, I watched that entire game. He looked pretty good. And so I think, like... As you said earlier, like Michigan State's f- no-fly zone is not really the case anymore. I mean, they've, they've given up a lot of passing yards this year, and it just seems like with its skill players like Darbo, like Chesed, also Jake Butt, even Jabril, if you try to get him in the space like a screen pass, it just seems like they're going to have a lot of trouble. And I just could see, like, I definitely think U of M's going to try to win it through the ground game, but I, if they need to throw it, I can. I don't think they're gonna have too too much resistance. Yeah, I agree. This could be Spate's like breakout game. Have him move to the next level, and if he plays well against Michigan State, that's gonna give him the confidence that he needs just to, you know, like I said, go to the next level and and these more competitive games. He'll he'll be able to complete some more important passes that he struggled on um, coming into this game. But I also would like to see Peppers throw a couple passes, and. Yeah, I think that would be exciting. <laughs> Real quick, what's the perception of Jabril Peppers at Michigan State? Because everybody I've talked to seems to think that he's the, like the most overrated player in the country. I like him. I really like him. I didn't know much about him until last year. 
and you know he he was very good year and then this year i mean it's just i mean coach harbaugh just uses him and just uses all his athletic talent and his abilities and what is it how many positions has he played this year uh, every, every single one, everything. Yeah. During the uh, the uh, weekly press conference, D'Antonio mentioned he's like, you know, if I guess he's gonna play five positions, Coach Harbaugh is gonna, you know, he'll play him six. So I'm just take the safe bet and say two and see what happens. You know, he has a smile on his face because everyone knows he's he's a monster. He really is. And we're talking about the running game. I mean, since D'Antonio has arrived at MSU in 2007, the Spartans have outrushed the Wolverines by 854 yards total. So that so uh, total they've rushed for 1548 and the Wolverines 694. So whoever wins the rushing battle has a very good chance of winning the game. And that's what it's all about. And Michigan is going to have to really establish that dominance up front and really push that defensive line around for the Spartans because again, besides Malik McDowell, there's not that many, you know, big guys that can really enforce their will on the Michigan State's defensive front. I think it was two or three years ago when we took the the trip to East Lansing and Michigan ran for I think negative thirty eight yards or it was something like that. Twenty thirteen negative forty eight yards. Negative forty eight. Yeah, Michigan should try to not do that this game. I don't. I don't think they will. I'll put that as my bold prediction of the week that Michigan will have more than negative forty eight <laughs> yards rushing. But that was a lot of sacks. That was the, that was uh, a lot of sack games, right? That was yeah, when they, Devin Gardner yeah, was Devin just Gardner. on the ground. I don't think I ever saw him get off the ground. Right. His jer- his jersey were, was dirtier than the offensive line. It was gr- it was greener than the Spartan jerseys, and the <laughs> Spartans were wearing green. Right. Right. And that's what this rivalry game is about. Like we keep on mentioning, it's you know being tough up front. Yeah. So and who's I guess is there any key area on this defense, uh, defensive line in this defense for the Spartans that they can take advantage of Michigan on offense? Can they really blow up some plays, stop some drives on third down, get these third down stops, get off the field, and get the ball back to their offense? Is there any key area you guys see either side of weakness for Michigan, strength or Michigan State? Well, you know, Michigan's left side of the offensive line has been recently revamped. Uh, ben Braden and uh, Ben Bredesen both moving to positions that they haven't been playing in all year. So I guess there's a lack of continuity on that side of the line. And Mason Cole hasn't been the most impressive at center this year. So while Michigan's offensive line has taken a clear step forward, it I, I'd say it's still susceptible if Michigan State, you know, overloads that side. It'll do some damage at least until Michigan's offensive coordinators adapt. Uh so I guess that would be a, a spot that I'm sweating if I'm, uh, you know, Michigan on offense versus state on defense. That's that's an area I'd look to exploit. Also, Riley Bolo too. I mean, assuming that he doesn't play like he did against Maryland and get tossed after 11 minutes of the game at committing three personal fouls. I mean, Riley Bolo is still a pretty quality inside linebacker who can make plays, make a lot of tackles, and definitely probably the captain of the defense. So. He gets he gets in and plays with some moxie, makes some tackles for loss, gets his confidence going, and might feed off onto the rest of the Spartan defense. You never know. But, I mean, if Bolo plays like he did, gets ejected for targeting some personal foul stuff, then it's it could probably be a longer day. 
Yeah, Riley Bola is the anchor on that defense without a doubt, and it's been it's been kind of a weird year for Bola because one, he was injured, he had to you know be a coach on the sideline and kind of you know really you know morale the troops from the sideline, and then he finally gets into action. Of course, the you know playing too aggressively and just dumb penalties by the senior captain uh, Riley Bola, who's been there again, another guy that's been there every single step of the way, and his family as well. I mean, it's the Bola family. Uh, it's you're you're king you're king of the castle when you're when you're the bull as max and the list goes on and on and on um they're spartan you know through and through so riley he's gonna have to have a huge day remain composed uh if the spartans want to have any chance for for a victory and kind of moving to the other side of the ball when michigan state does have the ball they've struggled in this area you mentioned just really not able to get that run game going revolving door at quarterback but what what can they do and Michigan fans, what can Michigan do just completely lock down this Michigan State team and make sure their struggles continue? Well, this Michigan defensive line causes problems. Uh, and I think that they'll be able to just let loose, pin their ears back. Ryan Glasgow and Chris Wormley up front are going to be enough to totally stifle the run game. Uh, you know, Taco Charlton, Matt Godin, Rashawn Gary, etc. They'll get to the quarterback. So... If Michigan State's going to succeed in this game, they're either going to need a an all-world performance by their offensive line, they're going to need a bunch of Michigan players to get ill before the game, or they're going to need to get the ball out quickly. And for that, it, it's going to be up to their skill guys to outmaneuver some of the best secondary players in the Big Ten and get open. So, you know, I, I think Michigan State may have the talent to make that work, but it's going to require a lot of execution that I don't know if I would trust Lewerke with, you know, if I were a betting man in this game. I honestly believe the only way Michigan State can, State can score more than two touchdowns is if they run the spread. That's the only way I could think. They they come out, just they run the spread, they go with a little tempo, they throw Michigan's defense You can't defense just off. run the spread, just flick, flip a switch and I mean, turn they, on the spread offense machine. Have, I mean, they have nothing to lose. I mean, you never know. I mean... How else are they going to put points on the board? They can't line up in the I formation and just r- try and run the ball. They're, it's going to go nowhere. The only hope they have in order to try and take some stress off what has been a, a me- very meh offensive line for Michigan State is probably just to try and spread it, spread them out, line up your receivers out wide, and try and take advantage of Lewerke, who has some speed. But, I mean, I don't ex- – I, I mean, if the way Michigan State has kind of run its offense, I don't expect them to, but, I mean – you got nothing to lose. My like the first couple of drives, come out with some tempo and run out like predominantly out of the shotgun, and I don't see where it goes. So JP on the mic, I'm going to jump in with a question really quick for Matt that I'm curious about on the offensive line for MSU. Looking at Cody Keeler moving over naturally, a right tackle has jumped around that line significantly. I think he spent some time at center as well, maybe. Um, now moving over to that left side, I watched a lot of the film um, via MGO blog always love the film reviews week before the game, um, did not look great trying to shore up that left side of the offensive line. And if I'm Don Brown, I'm looking at this myriad of different defensive schemes that I run against teams every single week, and I start to load up that left side, not just with Glasgow, Charlton, throw Mike McCray in there, throw Delano Hill in there. How do you try and protect Lurkey, especially on that left-hand side? Do you start to see more of a shift where you're just trying to run as many plays as you can to that right side, avoid that left blitz, maybe roll out. What are you trying to do if you're Mark D'Antonio, if you're this Michigan State offense? 
you mentioned roll, rolling out. I see rolling out as being um, a strength for, for the Spartans. You know, you have Lewerke who can scramble a little bit, get him outside the pocket, get him into an area where he's not, you know, feeling the pressure of the pocket just collapsing on him. Get him rolled out, get a little play action going, get him to the right side where he has a little bit more breathing room, and then he can start flinging it down the field. He can find an open receiver. He can find Josiah Price on a crossing route. He can go deep to R.J. Shelton. Or if Donnie Corley can get a little separation from the secondary, whoever's on him, because you know they're going to be marked up on Donnie Corley pretty tight because, again, he's a monster. And he's only a fresh, a true freshman, but he's not playing like a freshman um he's he's playing a little with more maturity now later on in the season and if you can get Lewerke rolled out a little bit get some more breathing room I think you can get a little bit more success from the Spartans offense instead of just you know running it right down the middle trying to beat you up you know up front with with toughness and you know Lewerke's not going to have that much time in the pocket with that pocket just collapsing you have you know, two, three, at the most, four seconds, at the most, four seconds before you have to get rid of the ball. Has he shown an ability to throw the ball on the run? I haven't seen a lot of um, Lurik play this year. Has he shown the ability to throw the ball on the run when he rolls out? Uh, yeah, against Maryland, he had a couple rollout throws where he looked really good. Again, it was working where he was able to, you know, play action pass, roll out, and find Josiah Price or whoever was on the tight end or whoever was on the crossing route. R.J. Shelton, a lot of times on a crossing route, was able to roll out, find him, pick up first down, move the chains. And the fact that the Spartans are not going to that more and more, that's what I feel a lot of fans, you know, are questioning. It's, all right, let's go back to the run, first down. Then it's, what, second and 12, and that's not manageable. Second and 12, that's automatic passing down. Next thing you know, it's third down, off the field. You know, if you get Lewerke out of the pocket a little bit, you know, switch it up, keep the defense on their toes, and keep them honest, they'll be able to successfully move the ball. It's just the fact that the play calling is so predictable time and time again. That's the thing. So the you mentioned the first, second, third down progression. An interesting stat that I saw is this is actually one of the best matchups of one of the best first down defenses because it's one of the best all-around defenses against one of the best, surprisingly, first down offenses. The place where Michigan State has struggled is third down. And so what are they doing on those second, third downs that even if when they are picking up solid gains, I mean, at least in comparison to the rest of the country on first down, that they're still having a really hard time on third down to convert and keep those drives going. That push up front has been, has been the biggest thing. Um, and getting that extra shove to get your running backs, you know, a little bit more breathing room to find a crease to pick up a first down, that's the biggest thing. You don't have the Donovan Clarks. You don't have the, you know, the Conklins and the Allens of the world where you can really impose your will and really dominate up front and push the pile. That's where they're struggling is finding those inches, finding, you know, you, Coach Antonio, one of his favorite lines, I mean, he has a bunch of them, is finding the inches, and they can't do that right now. They just can't do that, and they can't be physical up front because, you know, inexperience and just the, the lack of toughness right now and lack of size as well. Uh, they're just getting bullied up front. Who who's terrifies you the most? Um, both This goes to both sides of – when you're looking at Michigan State having the ball, who terrifies you the most? If you're a Michigan fan looking at, all right, can Donnie Corley break a big play? R.J. Shelton, who is it that scares you the most? And looking the other way, at, from a Spartan perspective, who is just going to wreak havoc on this Spartans offense? 
Well, at the beginning of the season, I thought Michigan State was going to be able to run the ball very effectively against the Michigan Wolverines. I still think that their backs are incredibly talented, but I no longer think that they're going to have any holes to run in against this Michigan defensive front and against a linebacking core that has really rounded into form throughout the season. Uh, in our house, I, I kind of got to roll with the guys you suggested first, R.J. Shelton, Donnie Corley. Uh Guys who just have the athleticism to be to be open even when they're blanketed. Uh, at the very least, they could draw some pass interference penalties downfield against Jordan Lewis, Channing Stribling, who tend to play uh, face coverage, tend to play you know play the man instead of playing the ball. So that's my worry when I look at Michigan State trying to move the ball, uh, just you know having those athletes and letting them exploit the Michigan secondary is. Uh, as as we've said throughout most of the preview, probably their best chance at moving the ball. Yeah, I think for me, MS, the most dangerous guy on MSU's offense is frankly going to be whoever the quarterback is going to be. I mean, obviously the quarterback play hasn't been very inspiring for MSU, but given it's a rivalry game, you never know if the O'Connor is going to go out there and all of a sudden look like Tom Brady. You just don't know that. Obviously, the evidence doesn't support it, but the quarterback now is more important than ever in winning football games. And he goes out there, he makes whoever the MSU's quarterback is going to be, goes out there, makes some ridiculous throws, makes some fits and balls and some really tight windows. Then he could turn this, uh, he could turn this game into, into become really competitive. And so for me, quarterback is the key and I'm still going to stick by that I mean yes if the quarterback does come out and have an amazing game then it obviously is slight concern for Michigan but I think other than that there's really not a whole lot of concern for the Michigan defense another guy that I haven't mentioned yet is Monty Medeiros Monty Medeiros needs to show up as well um, you know same with Felton Davis those guys they can't be dropping the ball I mean there was couple times on third down conversions they can't extend the drive because of drop passes i remember distinctly indiana you look flip side with donnie corley you know perfectly thrown ball drops it you, the wide receivers can't drop balls in this game if it hits you in the hand it hits you in one hand you got to come up with the catch and for me on the flip side jabril pepper obviously that's the i mean peppers is just a freak of nature the guy is a guy's a monster he can make plays offensively defensively special teams you know he can do it all he can score he's a scoring threat no matter what but honestly jordan lewis because flashes of charles woodson i can see it you know charles woodson was the man he was the man in ann arbor and he can single-handedly dictate a game and I can see that with Jordan Lewis as well. And whether that's a big interception at a crucial time and turning that into six points and running it back for a pick six, you know, I can see that happening with Jordan Lewis because, again, like you mentioned, he's just fast, he's athletic, he can make a play. He was the one that had that one interception, right? The one yeah. that interception. He can make a mistake like he did on that play, miss time right. his and jump, still... and still come up with the interception. Not even the pass breakup, the interception. Right. And as soon as I saw that after the Michigan State game, I was blown away. I thought, oh, my goodness. I saw the Charles Woodson against Michigan State when he had the one-handed pick along the sideline. I I couldn't believe it. And that's the biggest thing is Jordan Lewis. you got to always know where he is on the field because if you make a mistake, you throw the ball, he picks it off, he can take it all the way for a pick six. And that is an ultimate game changer. All right. Well, we're coming into the last bit of our show here, into the last 10 minutes, and we're going to go around the table, get our game predictions, all things considered, who comes away on top on Saturday. All right, I guess I'm first around the table, so I'll give it a go. Uh, 
up until a couple weeks ago, I was terrified about this game. You know, after Michigan State lost uh, lost their first couple games, you know, I thought this is a team that's undergoing a lot of turnover. Uh, eventually, they'll round into form. You know they're going to give it their best against the Wolverines. Uh, but they just kept losing. Uh, I don't think this Michigan State football team is very good. I predicted that BYU would go into their house and beat them pretty badly, and that's what they did. And at that point, I, I gave up on them really being able to put up a fight against this Wolverines team this season. I think the Michigan Wolverines are probably the second best team in college football next to the Alabama Crimson Tide. They're as complete a football team as I've ever seen at this university uh, by a pretty long shot because I haven't been a fan for that long before I went to college. But uh, Wilton Spate looked great last week, and he he was probably the lone question mark on this team with a stacked D-line, stacked linebacking core, stacked secondary, great special teams play, good offensive line, great playmakers on offense. And this this team really is the complete package. I think they're going to go out into East Lansing fired up. Uh, and I think Michigan is going to eviscerate the Michigan State Spartans in this one. I'm, I'm looking at a final score of 56-7. to All right. So when it comes to, like, this kind of reminds me of a rivalry game back in 2006 where a number two team came in, and that was when – so I'm from a little context. I'm from LA, so I was at. I know this game pretty well. It's 2006. It's number two USC against five and six UCLA, and USC has to basically. They just blew out Notre Dame. All they had to do is kick the crap out of a pretty bad UCLA team, and they go play Ohio State in the national championship. Well, they laid an egg, lost 13 and nine, and they went to the Rose Bowl where, and they had to go to the Rose Bowl in the end. So. I can't take this game for granted because I was there. I saw that game, and I saw a clearly superior USC team that had, like, where everybody on that team was an NFL draft pick, like, lose to a pretty pathetic UCLA team. So, but I'm still, I'm just going to pretend, like, ignore that game. Ignore the, like, just get that out of mind. I'm still going to think, though, that Michigan is going to start a little slow, but in the end, though, they're just going to out-talent MSU. I do think they'll they'll win this game, like, I'd say 49-14. to 14. Okay, so I'm going to go with my score first. I'm going to say it's 38-7, to 7, and I'm giving Michigan State 7 because I think they're going to come out, and they might strike first, and it's going to seem like an oh-no, what's going to happen this year? MSU is somehow going to beat Michigan. Oh, my God. But then Michigan's going to, you know, get back on the field and it's going to be completely their ball game. Although until the game is over, I'm going to be in a constant state of um, worry and nervousness because everyone is so confident that Michigan's just going to crush Michigan State. And I don't like that. I don't like people being that confident, even though on paper it looks like Michigan State has no chance. It's just that confidence sometimes that that scares me even though I know the team Michigan is not taking this for granted but I don't know the free press this week has been scaring me because I think they jinx sporting events so that's my opinion if Michigan loses this game I think it'll be 10 times 10 times worse than the dropped punt it would yeah yeah it definitely would um if there's one coach that can pull off an upset like this it would probably be coach Antonio um, but I like the reference to you, you know, USC because the USC actually went on to the Rose Bowl to play Illinois, right? Big Ten champ with oh, that Juice was Michigan. That, they went on to play oh, Michigan. was that the 2006? Michigan. What 2006. was the Illinois year? That was the year after. That was the year after. Okay, there was too many with, Rose. Bowls yeah, with with yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with Juice Williams. Um, but 
I, I watching this team um, and seeing, you know, just the same mistakes over and over again. It might be close for the first quarter, maybe the first half. Rivalry game, a lot of a lot of intensity, a lot of fight from Michigan State and D'Antonio. But I don't see that. I can kind of see a similar situation where the combo last year where it's just pure heart, pure just fight in the first half and then second half is just a complete opposite and Michigan will just continue strike after strike after strike and you know, you know, just capitalize on every single mistake Michigan State will make and just capitalize every single time. I can see Michigan score being around 42, 42-7, some of that maybe 42-14 maybe. Um, you know, but I see Michigan pulling off the victory. Got to say I'm not as optimistic as you guys of the final score. I really think this will be a tight game at least through the first half. There's going to be a few missed field goals by Michigan in that first half, a couple turnovers, it's going to start sloppy. I don't. I think Michigan State will come ready to play, as Emily mentioned, strike first, get out to that 7 nothing lead. It's still tight game at halftime, about 14-10 Michigan. I do think Michigan will put them away in the second half. It won't be a dominating performance. But at the end of the day, rivalry games are about victories, not about style points. So I think they will get the victory. I think it will be a 28-10 victory for Michigan. Not pretty, but I think they will get the job done in the second half. I feel almost like naked, nakedly vulnerable due to the optimism that I predicted. But, you know, it's out there. It's on the airwaves. I got to say with my final pick, I'm looking at this game. I'm going to spot. Michigan State 13 I think maybe a poor throw from Wilton Spate puts you in field goal position I got to give at least a touchdown for RJ Shelton and for LJ Scott I think they're fantastic offensive players maybe they find a good player two somewhere in there and beat this Don Brown defense I also see Michigan having you know good opportunities on the offensive side of the ball this Michigan State defense has looked pretty weak as we've discussed throughout the show so I'm going to give the Michigan offense uh, 42 so I'm going to go 42 to 14 in favor of the Wolverines, finally ending that streak uh, and back to Ann Arbor against uh, tough Maryland team the following week. All right. Well, that is going to wrap up our show. Thanks for listening in for our special one-hour edition of the Daily Sports Report. Thanks for tuning in to our special guest from Matt, and thanks for tuning in to 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor for Jeff, Emily, Matt, Morris, and your host, Andrew. Goodbye. I'll let, leave you with JP for a closing message. Just wanted to say really quickly from the sports department and the Daily Sports Report, big thank you to Pandora's Lunchbox for giving up their half hour tonight to make our show one full hour. Um, if you're tuned in, we really appreciate that. And we hope it's been fun. Matt, we hope you enjoyed your time here, and it was great to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Good night, and go blue. Yeah, I find a lot of the things that they do amusing. They need to check themselves sometimes. But just remember, pride comes before the fall. WCBN. Student-run radio voice of the University of Michigan. Licensed to the regents of the University of Michigan to serve in the public interest of the people of the state of Michigan. For when the famous explorer Filter Antoine LaRue wandered into the swamps that were to become Ann Arbor, he had but one goal in mind, a radio station that would rise above all others, reach to the heavens, and enlighten mankind forever. So if you're loyal to Michigan, tune us in. WCBN FM Ann Arbor, 88.3 in Michigan. Thank you very much. It's time to face the music together.